So it helps to think of the book of Hebrews or the letter to the Hebrews as a sermon. Perhaps one of the world's first ever published and widely distributed sermons. Though it sometimes intimidates us with its ornamental language and its high priestly vocabulary and multiple references to a guy named Melchizedek. It is in the end a compelling message and call to faithfulness. So today uh, we come to this sermon in chapter 13. So imagine, imagine ourselves sneaking in halfway through worship and sitting on the back pew and catching the end of the sermon right when it gets to the, the really practical application part. The preacher finally comes around to tell us like it is and show us exactly what it looks like to be faithful. Here, she says, are the contours of the Christian life. Here's what distinguishes your life from the lives of those who have not yet heard the call. She says the Christian life looks like hospitality to strangers. It looks like sacrificing space, making room in our houses and in our hearts. It looks like the party with an invite list that you wouldn't approve of. It looks like the guest bedroom, the renovated basement, the she shed. It looks like fostering children, adopting children, or quite simply having children. They all start off as little strangers, don't they, who turn our lives upside down. Maybe it's just me. No. Or it looks like Greg, beloved former church member who used to live right in downtown Asheville. And uh, he would go on intentional walks around downtown uh, just to go and meet people, anybody really, but he had a special heart for those who didn't have a home. He would catch their eye or they would catch his and he would start up a conversation and he would share stories with them and offer snacks and drinks and talk about faith and he'd come back and he'd say to me and others, you know, I don't know if I'm blessing them, but I know that they're blessing me. It looks like hospitality to strangers. It looks like putting ourselves in situations that increase the likelihood that we will entertain angels and not even know. The Christian life, it looks like making room for the possibility of conversation between heaven and earth. What does the Christian life look like? It looks like remembering those in prison. It looks exactly like prison ministry. It looks like befriending and, and loving our fellow human beings, whom the system calls inmates, but whom we learn to call friends. And it looks like weeping when we cannot meet them. And it looks like weeping when we let their suffering into our own hearts and we sacrifice even our own nervous systems to be affected by what affects them it sounds like saying this, though I can't imagine what you're going through, I do try. I do try to imagine. 
I think of you, I consider your suffering, I step into a daydream of what I know, and I leave to mystery what I don't know. But I do imagine, I keep you, friend, in my imagination. The preacher of Hebrews says, remember those being tortured as though you were being tortured. Call it compassion or call it co-suffering or call it a, a sacrifice, the pleasing aroma to God. A few verses later, the preacher says, Jesus also suffered outside the city gate in order to sanctify people by his own blood. Let us then go, she says, outside the camp and bear the abuse he endured. Hear this call. What does the Christian life look like? It looks like going outside the city gate, outside the camp, cross the boundary line, leave the safe space, breach the worldly boundary, ignore no trespassing signs. Where did Jesus go? Outside the city gate. Where do we follow him? Outside the city gate, into the places deemed unsafe, down the alley and under the overpass, onto the open road and into the wilderness, sometimes even with no staff, no purse or bag, not even sandals. Let us go then to him outside the camp and bear the abuse he endured. That's what the Christian life looks like. What does it look like? It looks like, the preacher says, faithfulness in marriage. Now, marriage is a quirky thing in the New Testament. It's a quirky thing in the Bible. Um, but Jesus doesn't spend a whole lot of time talking about marriage. When he does, he's very direct. Uh, leaves no questions, no adultery, no divorce, except for in the case of adultery. Um, Jesus himself was single. And Paul, Lord help us when Paul starts talking about marriage. I don't think Paul is a big fan. I don't think, I think if Paul did marriage counseling, the first question he would ask to the, to the couple would come in, into his office to sit down, he would probably lean on his hand like this and go, so, and like massage his temples or something, and say like, so why are y'all doing this again? <laughs> uh, he holds up singleness as the ideal. But then Hebrews says, uh, it looks like faithfulness in marriage. Marriage is hard work, people say. I hear that a lot. Marriage is hard work. That's really hard work. Before you get married, just know you're going to get into some hard work. Uh, sure, it can be. Um, I'm really easy to be married to, for one. <laughs> but, um, but when a marriage does work, it's free. Um, and your marriage can help free others. 
Faithfulness in marriage is a public witness of promises kept. A loving marriage establishes like a little economy in the world. Your home becomes a site of welcome, of nurture, of belonging, of welcoming strangers. Now, there are failed marriages to be sure. There are also remarriages that are like little resurrections in the world. In all things, those of us who are called to marriage give grace to those who struggle in theirs and to those whose marriages have ended. Nobody ever wanted that. In all things, those of us who are called to marriage glorify God by showing what faithfulness and devotion look like. Both those married and single alike can do this. God's love, though, according to Hebrews, is like this. A couple married for 50 or 60 or 70 years through sickness and in health, for better, for worse, loving and cherishing one another until death. What does it look like, this Christian life, It looks like generosity. The Hebrews preacher points to the heart of contentment. She says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, yes. But the foundation of that contentment is this. She says, knowing the Lord is my helper, that I will not be afraid. That's where the love of money comes from, fear. The Christian life is a life of courage. I wish that could be written on my tombstone. To have been thought of as brave would be just the ideal for me. I want to share this from, from my heart with you. Christian life is a life of courage. Have you ever considered that a primary ingredient of generosity is courage? Consider those you know, maybe you're one of them, who give generously in so many different ways, but in terms of money, those who share freely, who, who are not merely uh, cheerful givers, but they're the intrepid, the brave, the courageous, the most fearless among us. They live by God's promise, I will never leave you or forsake you. And finally, what does the Christian life look like? It looks like imitation. Remember your leaders the preacher preaches. Remember them, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. These are the exemplar disciples. Imitate their faith. Now you who today have been ordained as deacons, you have been so ordained because others have seen your faith and have called you to go for us. The congregation has said, these are the ones we trust. These are the ones we will look to for guidance. And those of you who are elders among us, you remember of the names of those who came before us, who served in years past. They have names like Eisenhower and Bats and Chapman and Beaver and Sherman and Crocker. Remember them. Imagine the strength and the resilience it took to do what they did on our behalf. What are we doing today that our children and grandchildren and people who will never meet us will reckon to us as faithful? Imitate 
the faith of those who have shared with us the Word of God. Now, I know Hebrews can really feel antiquated because there, again, is so much language about sacrifice, altars. That is what the people did early on. They brought their first fruits, and they saw that these first fruits and their livestock and the, the blood of precious animals shed on the altar and the burning of those sacrifices, they saw that as signifying their devotion to God. Hebrews is saying to us today, that time has passed, and now the pleasing sacrifices are these contours of the Christian life that she names. So think of these things, sisters and brothers, and all dear friends here today, that when you live your life in these ways, it makes a pleasing aroma in all the room, and the incense sticks to our clothes and delights the watching world. <laughs>